chapter 10, verse 17 of 21. This is the account of the rich young ruler. I'm going to begin reading. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, verse 20, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a boy. Verse 21, Jesus looked at, looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Um, I'm going to continue reading. Sorry, I don't know why I stopped there. Verse 22, at this, at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With, this, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this evening that you've given us. We thank you for our friends and family that you brought here with us this evening. We pray right now, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to be upon us, to teach us, to reveal to us whatever it is that you want us to learn and understand. Give us a humble heart. Give us an open mind. Speak to us, Father. And Lord, use me as your vessel. I'm merely your funnel, Lord God. Let your message go through me and speak to your people that you've brought to this building tonight. May you be. May you be pleased with everything that we do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I thank you very much for being here again. And um, here's our message tonight. Asking the right questions. Uh, asking the right questions. Do you, find it, do you find it easier to ask the right questions to get the right answer? Of course, right? If you're asking the right questions, you're going to get the right answers. And not because you have the right answers, you're actually answering the right questions. Do you agree? I mean, you're probably thinking, that, what the, what's this point? What's this point? We saw two, what, on what we read, you, we heard two questions there that are quite crucial. In this whole time that we've been going through this pandemic, we, you know, we're saturated and bombarded with information that we don't even know what's true anymore, what's real or not, right? There's a lot of arguments, debates. The country is much divided, very divided as worse than ever before. And, and we are more confused than we are informed. 
despite the, the technology that we have and all the, the information that we can get in, in, on, our, on our cell phones, it's quite impossible to truly say, I'm getting the right information. And then at the same time, since you're confused because you don't know what's, what's going on anymore, you don't even know what the right questions to ask, right? Just like, what's, what, what is it? Is it vaccine or to not vaccine, right? It's like Shakespeare, what with vaccine? To vaccine or not vaccine, right? To quarantine or to not quarantine, right? There's, there's so many arguments. And to a point where like, I don't even know what's right anymore. But there... But there, there should be another question that should be lurking too. It's like, what's going to keep me safe, right? What's going to keep me safe? Is it, is it going to church or going to work? <laughs> what's gonna, is, is it okay for me to hang out with my friends or is it just okay for me to just stay home and hang, hang out with them on, on Instagram or Facebook? Right? There's, there's so many things that we've been bombarded with, so many questions. And then the last thing that maybe most of us have asked and are afraid of the answer is if I die, where am I going to go? I don't know if, if many of us have asked those questions. Now here's us Christians here in this church and other Christians in other churches, I believe, that we believe that the Bible is God's word. Amen? The Bible is God's word. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us and what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, it is not on Facebook feed. It is not on your Snapchat or what's the latest thing that everybody's talking about. It's not what the Post, the New York Post said. It's not what CNN said. It's not what Fox News said. What us Christians must truly rely on and continue to meditate on is the Word of God. Amen? I know, it's so easy to fall into the trap of political arguments and debates, right? But at the same time, us Christians, we believe that God's Word is divine. Everything that we need to know is in the Bible. Now, the question for Christians is, how much do you study your word? How much do you study the Bible, God's word? Have you given it enough time? I don't know what your screen time is on your cell phones, but mine today, because it reports to me every Sunday, you've spent seven hours and 36 minutes per day this week. I'm like, my goodness, seven hours and 36 minutes on my cell phone. That is crazy. And I started this contest within my family, and so far, only Gianna has been winning on less screen time. Because I said, whoever has the less screen time wins. You know, turn in your screenshot, screenshot your, your hours, and only Gianna turns her in. Like, but we have, to, we have to understand, us Christians, believers of God, Right? We profess, we carry His name. How much of His word that we believe is His word, right? How much of it are we studying and how much of it are we following? Now, is it the popular thing that we need to follow? No, obviously not. But then how much of the Bible have you studied? Now also, for, for us to ask the right questions... And if we understand that us Christians, we have to follow what the Bible says, the, that's the only way that we will understand what the questions, the right questions we should be asking. Do you understand? 
Are you following with me? It's like, is it, do I work more with my life? Is that what am I supposed to do? Do I have to make more money? Is that why, why I'm here? Is, that, is the reason why I'm here? Is it, is it just for my children? Is it just for my spouse? Is it to become popular? Is it to become significant in the world? Is that to make, is that my purpose? Now for a Christian, we have to go to the Bible. What is, but I, <laughs> What is the, what are the questions I should be asking? As a Christian, what are the questions I should be asking myself? Because if I have the right questions, I will come to get the right answers. Correct? Because asking the wrong questions will lead you to get the, right, the wrong answers. Here's an example. There's this man named Bong, right? He's, he's Filipino. And, and, and Bong, Bong wanted to become a detective. He said he wants to become a detective, so he decided to be trained by the famous and greatest detective of all, Sherlock Holmes. So, you know, Bong went there, he went, met with Sherlock, and Sherlock said, let's go camping. Let's go camping. So they had dinner, they had a couple bottles of wine, you know, and Bong was trying to impress Sherlock Holmes, like, oh, you want to see how Filipino drinks? I'll show you how Filipino drinks. So they, they had too much. Bong had too many. So as they slept, you know, some hours later, Holmes woke up, Sherlock Holmes woke up, and nudged his apprentice, Bong. And he said, Bong, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. Bong replied, thinking that Sherlock Holmes was, was testing him, he said, I see a million stars. So Holmes further asked, he said, what does that tell you? Bong pondered for a minute. He said, man, this guy's trying to test me, man. I need, this is, this is my... This is my chance to impress Sherlock Holmes. He said, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approx approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will all have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does it tell you, Holmes? Like you're thinking, like, showed you, bro. And Sherlock Holmes was silent for a minute, then spoke, Bong, you idiot, someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> now, Bong, Bong, Bong was mad. He goes, wait, you, asked the, you were asking what I saw, so I was answering you what I saw, what I was seeing, right? So that's, that's one way to say, asking the wrong questions, you might get the wrong answers, right? And then there's another time when, when Bong, now how about, how, about, how, how about having the right answers for the wrong questions? How about having the right answers for the wrong questions? Now Bong, after he did get that job as a detective, he went back to the Philippines and he decided to apply for a job interview in his city, the city hall, right? But he was unprepared. He was in a rush. He was late, you know, he's Filipino, right? And he's like, wow, oh, man, he's rushing, applying his application. And, he, and then a friend of his comes out. He goes, oh, dude, 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 just give me what the questions are. He goes, you, dude, you know, Bong, I can't give you the questions. And Bong goes, okay, just give me the answers. Just give me the answers. And then the, the friend goes, answers? Do you, want, you just want the answers? Yeah, just don't tell me the questions. Just give me the answers. So the friend goes, okay, because the, the question was, when was the Independence Day for the Philippines, right? So the answer was June 12, 1898. 
And then the next question was, who was the father of the Philippine independence? And the answer is Emilio Aguinaldo, right? But, but the friend said, you know, uh, he said, well, the first answer is June 12, 1898. The second answer is there's been much debate about that. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing. But at the end, we, we concluded that it's Emilio Aguinaldo. And then the next, the last question, the last, last answer was, because the question is, is, there corruption, is corruption a big problem in the Philippines? And, and the answer is yes, and the Senate committee has assigned a group to investigate the corruption in all facets of the government. So that was the answer. Yes, and the Senate committee has assigned a committee to investigate all facets of the country. So, so Bong goes, got it, got it. He goes in, turns his application. The interviewer goes, oh, uh, your application is incomplete. When's your birthday? So he goes, June 12, 1898. <laughs> so the guy goes, what? Uh, you missed another question here. Um, who's your father? He goes, well, much debate has been made about this whole thing, you know. There's been a lot of arguments, and, um, but at the end of the day, everybody agreed it's Emilio Aguinaldo. And the guy goes, man, are you on drugs? Are you crazy? What's going on with you? Well, a Senate committee has assigned a group to determine if all facets of the government. See, having the right answers for the wrong questions can also get you in trouble. Correct? Correct. Amen. So we're going to try to answer the questions that we are supposed to be asking in 30 minutes. <laughs> The question is, is there a God? Right? I mean, imagine I'm going to tackle this in this short amount of time. Is there really a God? Right? And, and, and what we read here, this is John 14, 8, 12. Um, this is Jesus explaining. Let me read it so that you, you will be blessed with the word of God. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that, we will, that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me. Who is this? Who is doing his work? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will, be, they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. The question of, is there a God? should be answered, and he's always answered, was there ever a, a Jesus, a man named Jesus, born? And the answer is yes. There's plenty of evidence that will prove to you Jesus' birth, Jesus' life, Jesus' death on the cross, and Jesus' resurrection. There's 236 manuscripts that proves all those things. You know, uh, Aristotle 
the, the number of manuscripts for him to prove of his life, his birth, life, and death are five, total of five manuscripts. So Jesus supersedes that. So the manuscripts are the documentation, legal documentation that proves if somebody lived. So the, the, if, you are, if you are ever wondering, is there really a God? You have to ask, did Jesus really live? Did Jesus really die on the cross? And did Jesus really resurrect? And the answer, based on the evidence, is yes. If anybody is truly asking and trying to investigate, they will find out the truth. If they're sincerely honest. Here's um, Sir Lionel Luck, who um, is considered one of the greatest lawyers in British history. His, recorded in the Guinness, his record in the Guinness Book of Records as the world's most successful advocate with 245 consecutive murder acquittals. He was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II twice. Locke, who declared, I humbly add, I have spent more than 42 years as a defense trial lawyer, appearing in many parts of the world, and I'm still in active practice. I have been fortunate to secure a number of successes in jury trials, and I say unequivocally, the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. That's in the book, The Question Answered, Did Jesus Rise from the Dead? It supports the verse, 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 3-8, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. The Apostle Paul daring the critics at his time, saying, if you are doubting that Jesus resurrected, there's 500 witnesses and then some that you can call, you could see, no call, but you could go to and talk to. So for many years, right, for many years, the, the existence of God, the existence of Jesus, the truth about Him has been, the enemy has been trying to really disregard it. To remove it. Because if you remove Jesus, you remove God. Right? Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, that's the introduction. <laughs> now what? Now what? This is the message. The question is, what does the Bible say about, you know, when, when people who don't believe in God or don't have a relationship with Jesus should be asking, what does that mean? So sure, God is, God is true, sure. God sent Jesus here, sure. The Bible is God's word, sure. What does that mean to me, right? And the question, the other question should be, where do I go after this life? If I die today, where do I go, right? If, if COVID hits me and I'm not able to, to contain COVID and I get beat, where do I go? And then if if we're still given the time and the privilege to still live in this life, the question should be, what does the Bible have to say on how I live my life here on earth? The other thing is this. This is from Charles Baudelaire, 
French poet in 1821 to 1867. He said, the greatest trick, the greatest trick that the devil have ever pulled, ever pulled, is convincing the world he didn't exist. If the Bible is true, church, if the Bible is true, that it is God's word, and if Jesus is true, there's the other thing. The devil is also true. And the devil's job is to seek, kill, and destroy. He is there to, to divide people, to ruin relationships, right? He's there constantly spewing his lies. He's the father of lies. That's what the Bible says. That's why there's, there's many things that we think is good, right? Surely you won't die, right? Look at this. No, not that one. Um, in 1 John 2.16, it reads, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. In Genesis 3.4.5, remember in the garden, you will, the serpent talking to Eve, you will not certainly die. For God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The enemy wants from the very beginning for men to argue with God. The sin, the sin is this. We want to say we are right and God is wrong. You are not to cheat on your spouse, right? You are not to commit adultery. That's, that's the commandment. And what do, we, what do we justify? Oh, it's just one night, right? It's now or never. I'll go back. I go home to her anyway. I go to him. I go home to him anyway. I give her child support. It's, it's, we justify. And then we make it like, it's my life. I believe this is how I should live. This is my life. It's my right. Uh, why would I live my life according to God and what's written down in the Bible? I like the salvation part. I like it when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But I don't like how, well, how it's saying there that I need to live my life holy. I don't like that. If we follow one, if we believe one in the Bible, we follow all. The Bible is not your a la carte Hong Kong diner menu. Right? Oh, let me see what I like. Number five... John 3.16, I like that. Ephesians 2.8.9, I like that. But keep my life holy? Mm, no, no. Uh, don't yoke with unbelievers? Oh, no, no. She, she looks good, so I'm going to do this one. Forget this part. Right? Do, she'll not commit adultery. No, no, no. When I get married, then I will not commit adultery. Now, there's, there's many things. And the devil is truly... He's all over the place. If we are not aware that the lies that he being spewed out there, and it's the devil behind it, we're underestimating him. We are never to underestimate our enemy, correct? We are never to underestimate anyone, much more the devil. He's very cunning. He's very smart. The lies that he spews there suggest to you, oh, it's just one time. Who says it's wrong? What, who cares what Pastor Joe said? Just do it. It's, it's your life. It's good. It's happy. So be happy. You only live once. So the enemy from the very beginning, the father of lies, has been against God and God's will. He's been planning all his lies to the human race in order for the human race to not live for God and not believe God ultimately. 
He wants us to think that we are the God of our lives, but we're not. We are, are we the captains of our ship? That's what the world says, right? Be the captain of your ship. The, you, you do what you want. This is your life, boo-boo. You know, but, you're, but the Bible says you have to live for me. Uh, now we go back to the last verse. Uh, John, John, I think I kind of mixed that up. Now remember, the question, the first question that was asked here, the rich young ruler did everything that he was told and he that he studied and he believed in. He followed the commandments down to the T. He came to Jesus. He was very successful, right? To be, to be called the rich, the rich, the other headers there are the rich young ruler. He has become very influential, very successful, but he felt like he was still missing something. Or maybe, or maybe he was waiting for Jesus, Jesus to tell him, oh no, dude, you got it all covered. You got it all covered. That's why he said, what must I do to do eternal to gain eternal life? And Jesus told him, give your riches away and then come follow me. And then he left sad because he had plenty. The question for us folks is, do you really want God? When you're seeking God and you're saying, I want to follow God, I want to live for God. And then, and then he reveals to us, okay, you can follow me, but there's this one thing. In order for you to truly follow me, there's this one thing. And most of the time, it's that one thing that we don't want to let go of. And what's it called? It's an idol. Anything that comes before God is an idol. Right? Jesus said, if any of you wants to come after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23. And in the other, other books, he said, if any of you wants to come after me, but yet doesn't hate his father, his mother, his brother, his sister, his wife, yes, even his life, he cannot be my disciple. See, following God is not a playground. It's a battleground. It's not a bed of roses. When we say, I want to follow God so that I will, love, I will have a good life, you're wrong. The Bible says, take up your cross. Now, cross is a significant cross is a sign of, of torture. It's a sign of torture. It's just like for our time, especially during my time, there was a lot of electric chairs. The electric chair was very how they punished, the, they did the capital punishment in the Philippines during my time when I was growing up. So it's just like that. It's like if any of you wants to come after me, you must sit on your electric chair, strap up, and then follow me. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. When we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we say, Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. And if you have a Lord, you don't do anything He doesn't tell you. Right? Because we, we grew up in a very democratic country, in a different society, different lifestyle, that we do what we want. But during Jesus' time and how the Bible was written, when the Bible was written down, there was lords and there were slaves. And the slaves do not do anything apart from what the Lord instructs them. They don't even eat, even though they're hungry, until the, the boss says, it's time for you to eat. So Christianity is the same way. We call Jesus Lord. He's my Lord and Savior. Then we have to be living for Him. Amen? There has to be living for Him. So He asked, what must I do? 
So for us to follow God, to inherit eternal life, there's a letting go of us being the Lord of our lives. Because there's a part where we have to accept Jesus as our Lord, right? Accept Jesus as Lord and you will be saved. That's what Romans, uh, in Romans uh, 10 says. And here's the next one. The next question is after he went away, Jesus told him what he was what he needed to let go of, and then he went away, he couldn't do it. The disciples were surprised because they probably had so much respect for this guy. That's why the question came, who then can be saved? If this guy, who is upstanding guy, who does everything, who did everything correctly, and he is being disqualified from the kingdom of God, then who, who then can be saved? That's the question, right? If with all this fear-mongering that's been happening, right? It's true. You know, I, my, my, my brother-in-law just lost a dear friend of his um, through COVID, you know, and, and it's true. COVID could kill someone, right? It can. But then the question is, the question should be, where do I go? Am I ready to meet my maker? If God takes me today, am I ready to meet my maker? Now, in this church, we have prayed. We have prayed for people who got sick, and we have members who got COVID, but they, they were healthy. It's like they never got it. You know, it's like there's nothing that happened. There were some who really got sick. They lost their, their, you know, their sense of uh, taste and smell, um, it, but they got better, some. We prayed for some people who got sick with other things, but they, they weren't healed. And God decided it's, this is time for me to take them. So the, the question really is, how do I not get sick? The question should be, where do I go if, if this sickness takes me to meet my maker? How can I be saved from my sins? Because what, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that everybody, the next one. The Bible says, as, as it is written, there is no one righteous. No, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. This is what the Bible says. Just like the rich young ruler who said, I've done all those commandments since I was young. But then there was still that one thing that was disqualifying him, right? There was still that one thing that was disqualifying him. And then it is written in the Bible that everybody, for all have sinned, look at verse 23, and fall short of the glory of God. That's why when we say no one is perfect, it's true. We have all committed sin against God, one way or another. We probably think we're better than the other guys. Well, I'm not a rapist. I'm not a child molester. I just cheat on my taxes. I just uh, speed. I just don't, you know, I, I break laws here and there. I run the red light here and there. But I'm not somebody who robs a bank, right? Yeah, I date an unbeliever, but I'm not the guy who cheats on his wife, right? We, we tend to, like, justify our, our sins against somebody who's worse to make ourselves feel good. And at the same time, we, 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 we think that, and then, and then we do certain things that we think, oh, this should be good enough for me to go to heaven. Well, the Bible says, you know, nobody's good enough to go to heaven. You know, in, in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Heather is, 
Jesus is the answer. For the important questions that we should be asking, the answer is Jesus. Who then can be saved? He who has Jesus. He who has accepted Jesus as Lord. Because look at that. For the wages of sin is death. Everybody who has committed sin, and we all agree, I think, we all agree that we don't walk this life perfectly. So we have all sinned. So the wages of that is to go to hell. If we die, if one God takes us and we have sin in our lives, God will bring us to hell. That's death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life is going to heaven in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the answer to one of the biggest questions, who then can be saved, is he who has Jesus as Lord. In John 3.16 we recite Christmas, Christmas is almost here, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If Jesus, if we can save ourselves, there was no point for Jesus to come down from heaven, be born in a manger, and then be crucified like a criminal and be tortured in the cross. Up to now, you can look it up. You can look it up. It's the worst way to die, crucifixion. And that's what our Lord Jesus did for us. Why? Because He's not fair? Because, because he, he doesn't want us to live a, a fruitful life? You know what? God is not fair. He's not fair to Himself. Because why did He sacrifice His begotten Son? Why did He have to go through the torture for the sins that we've committed against Him? He's not fair to Himself. Grace, which is what we receive, grace is not fair. Grace is receiving something we do not deserve. What we deserve is death. What we deserve is hell. Punishment, that's justice. But God is so gracious that He put Himself on the line. He said, sure, Joe, you made a mistake. You lived a sinful life. But you know what? Many years ago, I went down and I made myself as a living sacrifice for you. Your only responsibility is to accept that. If you look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9 there, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You know, A.W. Tozer, uh, it's either A.W. Tozer or Charles Spurgeon said that he said, I praise God that being saved in heaven is not because of people's good works. Because I don't want to hear people boasting about their good works for a long time. Okay? Because imagine. Imagine if you see people up there like, you know I'm here, right? I mean, you act as if you're surprised. <laughs> Why? I did so many good things down there. I donated a school. I sent balik and boxes to my family in the Philippines. You know, I put so many kids in, in college. I helped them. Why, why are you acting as if you're surprised that I'm here? Humility is still what I need to do. But <laughs> right? if, if it's about works, God knows and we know that we will brag about it. And if it's about good works, John 3.16 is not needed. There's no sacrifice from Jesus that needs to be done. So the Bible, again, God's word, is consistent. It goes together. 
is consistent. It tells us about Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament speaks about Jesus. And the, in Revelation points to Jesus. Jesus is the answer to many of the problems that we have. Amen? Jesus is, Jesus is the answer to the crucial questions that we should all be asking. Who then can be saved? The ones that surrender to Jesus' Lordship. Am I to do anything else? No. Just surrender to Him. Uh, that gift that, gift that uh, is used here, the illustration there is, if I have a gift for you and you're a dear friend of mine, and I have your name all over it, and I put it under my Christmas tree last year, but you still haven't come see me, that gift is still not yours, correct? It is under your name. It is truly for you. But until you truly receive it, it doesn't become yours. That's the same with salvation, right? That's the same with salvation. When Jesus died on the cross, He said, it is finished, meaning it is paid for. What's paid for? The sins that we've committed against Him by the spilling of His blood, by the breaking of His body. It is paid for. So folks, for those of you who have not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, tonight is the evening. Tonight is the night that you do that decision. I say this not because I want to add you to the church. I say this because this is the truth on what the Bible says. We do what we do in this church because it is what's written down in the Bible. I praise God for our guests who have said yes to the invitations of your friends that are, are going to this church because that's, our, that's what we're supposed to do. We are to know Christ in this church and we are to become like Him and then we are commanded to make Him known. Because that what, that's what's written down. We are not just to enjoy the gift of salvation that we have. Imagine if I had the, 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 the uh, medicine or the, the key to release us from this coronavirus. I had the cure to end this whole thing. But I only gave it to my family and gave it to my family in, in our house. And then my neighbor is dying of COVID and I keep it to myself. You know, legally, that's called, that, that's a criminal charge. That's a criminal offense, legally. Because I had an opportunity to save another human being and I didn't do it. Now, it's the same thing with salvation. It's the same thing with Jesus Christ. We have Jesus Christ and we are to give Him. We are to give the truth about Him. Again, I thank you all for coming. That is, the, that is the end of our message tonight. Please join me in the word of prayer. Thank you for your patience. Father, I thank you for um, the message that you've given us this evening. I thank you for the 15 years that you've um, sustained your church. I thank you for the people that you've added year in and year out, Father God. I thank you for the souls that you've saved, Lord God, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. Father, thank you for the growth of your people, your members, Father, in this church who have constantly been trying to live for you in obedience to your word. I thank you for their willingness to put themselves on the line as they invited their friends and family and co-workers, Father, to hear your word and to be with you. I pray now, Lord God, for those souls that are, are, are still needing to surrender to your lordship. I pray that this is the evening that they will surrender to you and they will give their lives to you. 
Father, may you bless everything tonight. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, as uh, you can all rise as we sing our, our closing hymn. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord, please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. And if you've been visiting this church for quite some time and you'd like to become a part of it, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. Now normally we would um, introduce our song of the month for next month as a special, but uh, we wanted to add it into the to the service because it speaks of being thankful and we are nothing but thankful for the 15 years that God has given to this church. Um, so we just hope that you guys just take this message into your heart. I mean, again, we'll be singing this uh, all next month.
great service. Amen? Amen. God is good and God is faithful. Um, let us close in prayer, but right before that, let me read you a verse from John 14, verse 6 and 7. And, it, and this is Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you, don't, you do know him and have seen him. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Our life is fleeting, right? This life is temporary. And in the near future, just like this year, it's almost over. It's almost Christmas soon, so Merry Christmas. Our life will be over soon. But the question is, where will you, where will you be after this life? So I hope that you will find that answer in Jesus and Jesus alone. As he said in this word, that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him let us pray father god in heaven jesus we praise you and we thank you for you are good and you are faithful thank you lord god that you were present at the at the very beginning lord god lord we thank you for you have created us and we thank you because you have created us with a purpose and that purpose is to please you and to serve you to live our life for you lord we thank you for the presence of everyone and thank you for being in our midst tonight. Lord, as we continue to fellowship and to enjoy the food that the people, your people have prepared, Lord, we, we ask that you continue to be within us, Lord God. 
And Lord, as we live this place, Lord God, tonight, you may always speak to us, Lord God. Walk with us hand in hand. And if there's anyone here, Lord God, that hasn't surrendered his or her life to you as their Lord and Savior, let this be the day, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that what we've heard here tonight from you, we use it and we live by it, Lord God. Thank you so much for you are good and you are faithful. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Now that our spirits are full, let's make our physical body full. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, uh, we have food for everybody, so please join us. Stay and join us. Um, I think they're going to start the line. Where, where is the line going to start? This side, that door right there where the, it says fire extinguisher. Please exit that way and the line will go through. Thank you all for.